Hello there, and welcome to Kid History. My name is Logan, and I'm the creator of the Kid History Learning Series. Kid History is an educational podcast and book series made for children. Today's episode is called, Let's Learn About Canada. We'll learn about Canada's indigenous peoples, the explorer John Cabot, the War of 1812 and the 1841 Act of Union, the City of Toronto, Aurora Borealis, Canadian Animals, Poutine, the beautiful nature, maple syrup, hockey, and more. Did you know that this podcast is also available as an illustrated children's book on Amazon? Links can be found in the description below for my social media, YouTube channel, and other books. And finally, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, comment, and tell others about this podcast. Are you ready? Let's learn about Canada. Canada's Indigenous Peoples Let's start our journey by learning about Canada's indigenous peoples. They were the first humans to settle the Canadian lands thousands of years ago. Today, more than 1.67 million people in Canada identify as being of indigenous descent. Canadian museums have been filled with indigenous artifacts that help tell the story of the original Canadians. The three main indigenous groups of Canada are the First Nations, Inuit, and the Métis. The country is home to more than 630 First Nation groups that speak over 50 languages. Not to be outdone, more than 500,000 Canadians self-identify as Métis. The Inuit are known as the indigenous people of Canada's Arctic region, and the word Inuit means the people. Unfortunately, the indigenous peoples of Canada were subjected to mistreatment in the form of institutions called residential schools. These schools were run jointly by the Catholic Church and the Canadian government. Thousands of indigenous peoples were forced from their homes and made to live in these institutions. The natives were forced to convert to Catholicism and forced to learn about the Catholic Church in school. The Canadian government has since apologized for its actions and instituted a national holiday to celebrate the native peoples. Indigenous Peoples Day is celebrated every year on June 21st. John Cabot the Explorer In 1497, an explorer named John Cabot lived in Italy. Much like his famous predecessor, Christopher Columbus, John Cabot, too, was obsessed with the idea of exploration. Traders from Europe were looking to shorten the voyage to Asia, and many thought sailing west would prove easier than sailing around Africa. Unlike Columbus, Cabot felt that sailing west past Ireland would prove successful. John Cabot met with King Henry VII of England and received the funding he needed to make his trip. He left Bristol Harbor in the early summer, and 50 days later into his voyage, he reached the east coast of North America. The explorer and his crew believed that they had indeed found Asia. The group spent little time on land as they were concerned about natives. Cabot planted an English and papal flag thus claiming what he thought to be Asia for England and the Catholic Church. Cabot spent the next few weeks sailing up and down the North American coastline, naming numerous islands, capes, and bays. He returned to England as a celebrity, as many thought he had indeed found a new route to Asia. It would be another 20 years before anyone knew that he had actually visited Canada. Albeit by accident, John Cabot's journey provided a route for future colonists to make their way to North America. The War of 1812 and the 1840 Act of Union Let's jump ahead to the 1800s. 
Canadian territories were controlled by the British, and they were having trouble with their neighbor to the south, the United States. America was upset that British naval ships had been attacking them and taking their passengers prisoner. Then, in 1807, the British Navy fired on a U.S. ship, the USS Chesapeake. This angered the Americans, and they prepared for war. The war between America and British Canada began in 1812. The battle lasted four years. Although the U.S. claimed it wanted to attack British Canada to defend itself, it became clear that the U.S. also wanted to seize parts of Canada. America failed in conquering any Canadian territories. In fact, America suffered the biggest blow when British troops burned the White House and the U.S. capital of Washington, D.C. to the ground. After the War of 1812, Canada's population became divided between pro-British citizens in Upper Canada and pro-French citizens in Lower Canada. Revolts broke out in 1837 as rebels wanted change in the Constitution. After years of fighting, the Act of Union was signed in Montreal on the 10th of February, 1841. Canada was reorganized into two larger territories. Canada East was led by Louis Lafontaine, and Canada West fell under the supervision of a man named Robert Baldwin. The City of Toronto Time to learn about one of Canada's most famous cities, Toronto. The history of Toronto goes back thousands of years when the area used to be covered by a glacier. But we'll jump ahead in time to when the native indigenous people settled here. Numerous native tribes began to settle the area of Toronto to hunt, farm, and fish. The natives were the first to farm foods such as corn and cultivate cash crops such as tobacco. Indigenous life thrived from the 1200s to the 1500s. However, that ended with the arrival of Europeans. French explorers took claim to Lac de Taranto, or present-day Lake Simcoe. By 1793, Canada has been united under the Act of Union, and the area was named York. The town was named York for 41 years, but it was being confused with the growing U.S. city of New York. In 1841, the city changed its name to Toronto, and soon after, it saw many immigrants move to the city. They brought with them their cultures, religions, and foods. Their influence can be seen all over the city today. Toronto is now a metropolitan megacity. It's home to one of the world's most famous skyscrapers, the CN Tower. A fun fact about the CN Tower is that it is Toronto's biggest lightning rod, as it gets struck on average 100 times per year. There's no need to worry as the CN Tower is copper insulated, which keeps everyone safe. The tower allows visitors to come view Toronto from its glass observation deck, and it's been said that on a clear day, you could even see Niagara Falls. Aurora Borealis Canada is home to one of the world's most beautiful natural phenomena, Aurora Borealis. Also known as the Northern Lights, collisions of gaseous particles in the atmosphere create a dazzling light display. The sky turns a yellowish-green color that is caused by the burning of oxygen molecules up in space. The colors can also change from red to purple based on what type of molecules are colliding in the sky. The northern lights have been part of human culture long before even Roman times. Many myths believe that Aurora Borealis was the return of a goddess of the dawn called Aurora. The indigenous peoples of Canada believed the lights came from a faraway land that was inhabited by the spirits of giants. 
the Inuit and other Canadian tribes believed that the lights were the spirits of the ancestors or animals that had been killed for food. The best places in Canada to view the lights are the Northern Territories in areas such as Nunavut, the Northwestern Territories, and the Yukon. Aurora Borealis is controlled by the Earth's magnetic poles, which are constantly in flux. Every 11 years brings a peak period of viewing, with the next peak being in 2024. It's best to view the lights at night, and it's been said that wintertime is the most effective time of the year. Canadian Animals Canada is home to some of the world's most interesting animals. Let's start off by learning about the largest member of the deer family, the moose. A Canadian moose can grow to be over 2 meters tall. The moose has very long legs as it has to walk through snow, ponds, and rocks. They are famous for their antlers that can grow to be huge. Moose are also great swimmers and can even dive to eat plants. Another amazing Canadian animal is the beaver. They are a member of the rodent family and are known for their big teeth. Beavers are also known for crafting large dams to block water sources. They use the dam as a home and the small pond to catch fish. Canada has a rich history with beaver trading and even has a photo of a beaver on their currency. One of the most iconic Canadian and North American animals is the majestic bison. This large mammal once dominated the plains of the northern U.S. and Canada. Native peoples had revered the bison for centuries and depicted them in numerous paintings and art forms. However, bison became a target for European hunters and traders as they were exploited for their furs and meat. The bison population quickly declined to near extinction levels. Thankfully, numerous organizations were able to step in and to protect them and are committed to raising and caring for a new bison generation. Poutine Poutine is a food dish made of french fries that are topped with cheese and gravy. The dish is relevantly new to Canadian traditions, as it was created in the 1950s, but it is already a staple of Canadian foods. Variations of poutine are served all over the world, and it's regarded as a symbol of Quebec culture. The food was popularized in the Quebec area of Canada in the local pubs and bars. Food preparation was difficult in smaller taverns, and poutine was an easy food that taverns could serve to their customers. The food's popularity slowly grew and was brought to major cities across Canada. By the 1980s, poutine had gone mainstream. It could be found being served in five-star restaurants, food carts, and fast food chains. Poutine's influence even made its way south to New York in the USA, where it was referred to as disco fries. You wouldn't think that French fries with gravy on top of them would cause political turmoil, but they did. Canada's population scoffed when they first learned of poutine. It was given a reputation of being a lowly Quebecois bar food. However, Canadians outside Quebec province began to change their attitude as the food gained popularity. Even today, Quebec citizens can potentially be miffed if their local food creation is referred to as Canadian and not as Quebecois. Canada's Natural Beauty Canada is home to some of the most beautiful landscapes in the entire world. From enormous waterfalls to giant snow-covered mountains, Canada has it all. We start off at Niagara Falls, which is one of the world's most amazing waterfalls. Water from four of the Great Lakes flows toward the Canada and American border in New York. 
Over 75,000 gallons of water flow over Niagara Falls every second, and its water flow is so strong that it can produce over 4 million kilowatts of energy. Nahani National Park Reserve is one of the world's largest, most diverse, and beautiful parks in the world. Nahani Reserve features canyons, waterfalls, limestone caves, forests, and a wide variety of animals. Visitors looking for outdoor sports enjoy backpacking, kayaking, and rock climbing. It truly is one of Canada's most iconic places, and in 1978, UNESCO declared Nahani National Park Reserve a World Heritage Site. The Rockies are one of the world's largest mountain ranges, and they extend from the United States into Canada. Hiking is one of Canada's most popular hobbies, and Banff National Park is a hiking paradise with over 1,000 miles of hiking trails. Canada truly is a one-of-a-kind place to experience Earth's natural beauty. The Maple Leaf and Maple Syrup It's not often that you could recognize a country by a leaf, but in Canada, you certainly can. The Maple Leaf has become a symbol of Canada, and Maple Syrup has become popular around the world. Maple syrup was first produced by the indigenous natives of Canada. Tribes would cook the maple sap in hot water and make a heavy drink that could be used to give them energy in the cold winter months. The tribes passed their knowledge of maple syrup production to the Europeans, and they have continued it to this day. Canada produces over 80% of the world's maple syrup supply, and it is exported to over 50 countries. It may surprise you, but our Canadian maple leaf flag is relatively young. Some flags have represented their countries for hundreds of years, but Canada's is less than 100 years old. Canada has had a few flags before the maple leaf, and yet they all contain visual ties to the British crown. Canadian citizens in the 1960s wanted to install a more Canadian national flag before the centennial celebrations of Canada being self-governing. Thousands of submissions were received, but it was the maple leaf that proved victorious. Queen Elizabeth II proclaimed February 15, 1965 as the day on which the new flag would be raised over Parliament Hill and adopted by all Canadians. Canada loves hockey. The only thing that Canadians love more than maple syrup is hockey. In case you didn't know, hockey is a wintertime ice skating sport where two opposing teams attempt to control a rubber puck into their opponent's net. Canada loves their hockey so much that there are even jokes that Canadian hospitals give all newborns a hockey stick. The name hockey was taken from the French word hockey, which refers to a shepherd's crooked staff. The sticks used by players look similar to those used by a shepherd to herd their sheep. The first known major organized hockey game took place in Montreal in 1875. Soon after, McGill University formed Canada's first organized hockey team. Since then, the game has grown to be played all over the world, including the Olympic Games. The sport of hockey is growing in popularity, and Canada is still just as crazy about it as ever. Youth hockey groups are located across Canada and have thousands of registered players. Canada is also a member of the National Hockey League and fields seven of their professional teams. Hockey fans are passionate about their teams, to say the least, and oftentimes team loyalties are passed down from generation to generation. The popularity also makes it sometimes difficult to get a ticket with so many teams having waiting lists. Let's review. 
We started by learning about the three main indigenous groups of Canada, which are the First Nations, Inuit, and Metis. Don't forget about John Cabot and his journey to the eastern shores of Canada. Now we know about the Battle of 1812 and how it helped lead to the Act of Union in 1841. We visited the beautiful city of Toronto and marveled at Aurora Borealis. Now you can impress your friends with your new knowledge of Canadian animals. Who's hungry? Go grab some poutine and get your french fry on. Don't eat too much, you'll still need to take your friends and family on a vacation of Canada's natural beauty. Finally, we found out just how much Canadians love maple syrup and hockey. Until next time, welcome to Canada. Who knew that there would be so much to learn about Canada? I hope you enjoyed learning with me about how Canada became what it is today. I had such a great time learning with you, and you've made learning a lot of fun. Remember, this podcast is also available as an illustrated children's book on Amazon. Links can be found in the description below for my social media, YouTube channel, and other books. Finally, and most importantly, never forget that you're special, you're perfect, and you're loved. See you next time!